Yarn. Yarn 21, The Secret Palace. Ukraine, winter 2010. It's a grey, snowy morning. A man is driving from the small village of Novi Petrivsky to work 15 kilometres south in Kiev. The road has been recently resurfaced and widened all the way to the capital. The Ukraine was known for having some of the worst roads in Europe, but when the country won the bid to co-host the Euro 2012 soccer tournament, the government guaranteed that they would update the country's road network to cater for the influx of traffic. Major roads linking all the stadia with the airport and their co-host country Poland were slated for a long overdue upgrade. For some unknown reason, the road from the village of Novi Petrivsky to Kiev was upgraded too. Even though it doesn't link any stadia and it's not on the way to Poland or any major airport. Our commuter doesn't mind. He's glad of the smooth drive, especially in the harsh weather. As he passes the Mezrina estate on his left, he notices a massive new wall being constructed. The wall carries on for miles. There are rumours back in the village about something being built within the grounds of the estate, but no one knows what. Suddenly, a large animal crosses in front of the car. The man swerves to avoid it. The animal carries on along the road in front of him, then disappears over the snow embankment on the other side of the road. The animal was furry. It stood upright and it was hopping. The driver was certain he'd narrowly avoided a collision with a kangaroo. A kangaroo in the Ukraine. No one's going to believe him. It must have something to do with what's going on behind the wall beside the road. Four years later, on the 23rd of February, 2014, the secrets hidden behind the wall would finally be uncovered. The scale and audacity of what was found shocked the whole country and became a poignant symbol of just how corrupt Ukraine had become. This is the story of the former president of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych, his extravagant lifestyle and the construction of his monument to greed, the Mezrina Palace and Estate, now known as the world's only museum of corruption. It's October 2019, and I'm visiting Mazarina with my sister, Debbie. This is Debbie. We did a tour of Buckingham Palace for This is even better. It's more opulent. And this is our guide, Vlad. Queen has lived there forever. Like yeah. the, the royal family has lived there forever. This was built only in 2010. The vast estate covers over 340 acres. That's just shy of the area of Monaco, the glamorous and opulent principality has a lot in common with Mezrina, except Monaco is home to 38,000 people. Mezrina was most recently home to just one family. The Mezrina estate dates back to the 14th century when it was established as an Eastern Orthodox monastery. In 1917, the Bolsheviks destroyed the monastery after the Russian Revolution and it was later rebuilt as a summer retreat for the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. When Ukraine gained its independence from the former Soviet Union in 1991, Mezrina was retained by the new state. Then in 2002, 
the Prime Minister Viktor Yanukovych decided to make it his official residence. We pass through the estate's huge iron and gold gates and walk along the pristine red brick driveway. Armed Ukrainian soldiers patrol the entrance. A dense fog hangs in the air today, making it hard to see more than 50 meters ahead. It does look like a solid hill, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you cannot see anything. Well, so just imagine a beautiful river over here and yeah. a beautiful uh, sunshine. We stop at a second set of gates where another soldier stands guard. We can just make out the outline of a large house beyond the gate, enveloped in fog. This was Viktor Yanukovych's official residence. This is the house where visiting dignitaries were entertained. It's where state dinners and summits were held, but this wasn't really where Yanukovych lived. This impressive Soviet building is just a front to what lies beyond it. The estate contains a man-made lake, gardens, an outdoor tennis court, an indoor tennis court, a bowling alley, a golf course, several guest mansions, two restaurants, one of which floats on the lake, built in the style of a Spanish galleon. The estate contains a yacht club and a marina, a helicopter pad, an equestrian centre, a garage showcasing 70 cars. It contains several climate-controlled greenhouses, hunting grounds with wild boar and elk, a hunting lodge, a physical health complex, and a zoo, complete with exotic birds, lizards, ostriches, and kangaroos. Although one of the kangaroos died of pneumonia, and another escaped. The centerpiece of this estate is Yanukovych's personal residence, a five-story mansion made of stone and wood. Its design takes inspiration from a traditional Russian dacha, or country house cabin, but its scale and arrogance has a lot more in common with a dictator's palace. Estimates for how much all this cost to build range wildly, 75 million euros to 100 million euros, while some say it could be in the billions. Yanukovych, the prime minister, and later president of the Ukraine, was a public servant, with an official salary of only 2,000 euros a month. So, who paid for all this? The Ukrainian taxpayers. We enter the complex not from the main palace entrance, but through a side door of the neighbouring health and fitness building. We are enthusiastically ushered inside by a man wearing goggles and a military helmet. A red and black flag is tied around his neck and drapes over his shoulders like a cape. I'd later learn that this is a Ukrainian right-wing nationalist flag. This is Petro Olenik, the current resident and self-appointed guardian of the palace. In 2014, Olenik and his band of protesters seized the building at the end of the Maidan Revolution. For over a year, the Maidan, the main square in Ukraine's capital, Kiev, was occupied by protesters of Yanukovych. The protesters endured a freezing winter, violent crackdowns from state authorities and arson attacks, when local police officers eventually refused their orders to continue the violent suppression tactics and members of the army started to join the protesters to help train and organize the movement, Yanukovych resorted to recruiting his own army of mercenaries to fight the protesters. But the protesters held on. On the 21st of February 2014, a Ukrainian TV station released CCTV footage of the president boarding a helicopter 
fleeing the Mezrina estate. The footage, which cannot be independently verified, shows people packing up and leaving the presidential palace outside Kiev just hours before Yanukovych was ousted by Parliament. Once the trucks have been loaded and driven away, a group of people can be seen arriving with bags and boxes of belongings to board onto two waiting helicopters. With the former president gone and his estate unguarded, a large group of protesters descended on Mezrina and broke through the gates. Olenik and his followers were afraid people would loot whatever remained inside Yanukovych's palace, so they set up a cordon around the main building, preventing anyone from entering. Their intention was to preserve the contents so Ukrainians could see what their tax money was being spent on. And that's where Olenek has stayed since 2014. So that's why this guy, he doesn't want to live here, he doesn't want to leave this place, because he says that for five years, other people were trying to come here, and other people were like, hey, you know, now we want to be here, now we want to take this place under the control, because we're part of the government. And he says, okay, if you want to be here, I'm ready to go, anytime you tell me, but you need to invite a team of professionals to have a list of the items inside of this place and the costs of these yeah. items. So you need to say, okay, so here we have, like, uh, six chairs and two more chairs. Each one of those chairs is approximately 1,000 euros. This clock here is 50,000 euros. This TV here is 600 euros. So you need to invite the team and you know like and he said it's very very difficult process because there has to be a team of professionals of like people who actually know what they're doing and you have to pay them a lot of money and nobody really wants to do that and that's why he doesn't want to leave. The government took control of the rest of the estate. The Ukrainian army stand guard at the gates and the government pays the ground staff to keep the gardens and golf course in order. The estate is open to the public for an entry fee. They can visit the zoo, the car garage, and rent golf buggies. But the visitor brochure doesn't even mention the main palace. Olenek cut a deal with the army guards outside. They won't enter as long as he's there. The interior of the palace acts like a sovereign embassy to the revolution. The government are not willing to force Olenek out because of the negative press it might generate for them. They don't want to draw any more attention to Mezrina, so they just ignore it for now. That leaves Olenek under self-imposed house arrest. After leading us inside, Olenek locks the door behind us. Our guide, Vlad, had sent him a text message earlier and they arranged a time for us to visit. That's the only way of booking a tour of the palace interior. Vlad tells us that some days, if Olenek isn't in the mood, he won't open the door, so a tour is never guaranteed. We're instructed to slip on a pair of disposable blue overshoes before proceeding with the tour. With that, Olenek leaves us. His smiling girlfriend stays, but she doesn't say a word. She just shadows our movements. Vlad says that originally, Olenek would insist on giving all the tours himself, but he would only do so in the Ukrainian language. Now he's happy for guides he likes to show tourists around, speaking in any language they like, except Russian. We move through the health complex, from gyms. Gym. And you can see that the gym is already looks really, really nice, but it has never really been used. So this gym was maybe used just a few times by his bodyguards, maybe by the security, but this guy has never released this gym. And you can see it even smells right, like it has never been used. Yeah, also you can see that you need to be a very big boy to use this gym, because the smallest weight you can see is 20 kilograms, so you need to be... To saunas. This is the Creo sauna. Do you know what Creo sauna is? Creo sauna? Creo sauna, exactly. Like it, freezes your body. So the temperature is right inside drops to minus 200 degrees Celsius. So your body gets frozen 
and then your skin, your bones become very, very, very strong. So a lot of boxers and MMA fighters use before the fight, and also it's very good for recovering purposes. If you have some kind of the injury, this really helps. To salt rooms. So this room is completely, fully made out of the salt. So this room, that's why it has its own microclimate. The new salt appears here by itself. When I first saw this room, it was four and a half years ago, that part of the salt was not here. Four and a half years later, you can see this part, you know, it just appears when you when you don't really clean the wall. Each time a new door is unlocked and we enter a room, our silent chaperone runs around and locks the door behind us. That woman is closing the door behind us as we go. Yeah, yeah, so uh, I think like this is an assistant of this man over there. It's a little unnerving. We enter Yanukovych's personal dressing room. This is where he was changing his clothes. Hidden behind a fake locker door is a secret passage. So now we're going to the main palace. The passage leads down some steps and into an underground tunnel that links the leisure complex to the main residence. So you can see Markin and this is one of the most beautiful underground tunnels in the world. It's, it's you know, quite amazing. The tunnel is lined on either side with paintings, although there are some obvious gaps along the wall where artworks have been removed. Yanukovych left in quite a rush. He took anything of value he could carry with him, but had to leave the rest. He also made sure to dump all his incriminating documents in the river that runs through the estate. But the documents were rescued from their botched drowning. Investigative journalists set up a website called Yanukovych Leaks. They painstakingly scanned in thousands of documents and made them available online. You can still see water stains on some of the recovered pages. Originally, the aim was to expose the corruption of the Yanukovych regime. But now, Yanukovych leaks are using their sway to influence the current administration. They forced the government agency for returning and managing stolen assets to delay awarding new contracts for the management of Mezrina. Yanukovych leaks released an open letter accusing the agency of a lack of transparency around the competition. So Mazrina still finds itself in limbo. One thing strikes me as we walk through this long tunnel. Who keeps all these buildings in their numerous rooms and hallways clean? There must be an army of cleaners. Vlad stops us at the end of the passage and opens a door. The inside looks like an engine room of a ship. There are pumps and pipes everywhere. The sound is deafening. Right, so all the air that comes, it goes through one of those pipes, then the air gets like, you know, like, you know this pipes to clean the air, they have the humidity to this air, and that's how this room has its, like the house, the whole house, the whole building has its own microclimate. And the air here is perfectly clean, um, it's perfectly warm, so you don't really need that many theaters like in other houses, and that's why it's perfect. And what is really, really crazy about it is that the dust is not here. The dust doesn't create in this place. Just touch these things over here. Oh, yeah, There's no dust. Yes, you don't really need to. It's a climate-controlled, self-cleaning house. No dust. There are five of these pump rooms, sucking in air and filtering it back out for all the main connecting buildings. Right. I need one of those rooms in my apartment because I'm here to leave all the dust. But... As we investigate the main palace's floors, we start to get a sense of its owner's eccentric tastes. The house has a stuffed lion, a stuffed bear, a solid gold bread roll, and an indoor barbecue room that features a skinned crocodile as a table centerpiece. You see the real crocodile 
skin on this table, and it's not the fake crocodile skin. If you want to hold it before you can touch it, hallways are guarded by standing suits of medieval armor. I feel that this is the real armor. You can try to take the sword. And most rooms are lit by chandelier. And also, what is crazy about chandeliers? All the chandeliers are different in different rooms, so you won't really find two same chandeliers in two different rooms. In one room they can be the same, but you won't see anything like that anywhere else. So, and this guy is joking and he's saying that if you take one chandelier out of every room, you can start, you can open up a museum of chandeliers. Yeah. One thing that features in literally every room of the house is a TV. Every room has a TV. Yeah. For some reason, nobody knows, but every single room has a TV. Even, even in places that you don't really watch the TV. <laughs> you know. Even after years of visiting this house, our guide Vlad can still get riled up when he shows us some of the artifacts his former president splashed out on using the Ukrainian people's money. Inside of this room are again the vases because this time they're made of the real snake skins. Just touch this one and you're gonna feel that this is the real snake skin. It's not fake, but this is the real snake skin vase. Good God. And he had not only one, but five of them. One, two, three, four, and five vases made of the real snake skins. So just imagine how many snakes you have to kill to make one vase. He had five of them. No, but why? I mean, just why would you have a vase made of the snake skins? I, you know, anything, I don't think he was, you know, making all these decisions. I believe that he had a team of professional architects and designers. And, you know, basically they had a carte blanche and they just, you know, did whatever they wanted to, just whatever they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to impress him and they're like, hey, Mr. President, uh, we got you five vases made of the snake skins. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no problem. We walk up a double-sided grand staircase and look down on the main double-height living room. The sound of birds cheeping is everywhere. There's birds everywhere. There are birds everywhere here. There are golden bird cages all around the landing. Like, you know, this is what I think, like, why you have so many birds here is because when you are here by yourself in a huge room, in a huge house like this, it's totally, like, silent, right? So you need to have someone here. You have to have creatures that create noises. But Yanukovych might have also had a more paranoid reason for keeping so many birds. Some people believe that he had the birds not only just because he didn't want to feel lonely, but because those are the special, uh, you call them uh, canaries, I think. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, And you know why? Yes, exactly. So if somebody decides to poison, if yeah. somebody decides to put the gas, uh, these birds would feel it and they would like, sound like crazy. So maybe he wanted them to, he yeah. wanted to have them just also to make sure nobody poisons him. So where did Yanukovych go, and where is he now? Most people presumed somewhere in Russia, under the protection of his friend Vladimir Putin. Recently, a Ukrainian magazine discovered that Yanukovych's exact location is in the town of Bakova, Russia, inside a state-owned retreat that belonged to a division of the Russian Interior Ministry. According to Russia's own Federal Agency for State Registration, the land in Bakova is designated as a guesthouse for foreign specialists. The compound is surrounded by a high wall that includes a three-storey, 2,000-square-metre brick building as well as a two-storey, 750-square-metre detached structure. There's also a 25-metre swimming pool and a sauna complex. It's not the standard of luxury he's used to, but it doesn't sound that much of a downgrade either. What about all the money he and his cronies have stolen from the Ukrainian people? Well. The European Union has issued sanctions against Viktor Yanukovych and his confidants. The Council of the European Union froze the accounts of Ukraine's former president, his sons and 15 other people from his inner circle. The EU blames Yanukovych and his allies for human rights violations in Ukraine 
and has accused him of illegal enrichment. Experts say the majority of his secretly amassed fortune is located in the West. That's why Western state authorities are working to find the money and restore it to its rightful owners in Ukraine. But only a fraction of the suspected Yanukovych millions have been found so far. Most of what's been found was frozen in accounts in Switzerland, around 128 million euros. But these funds can only be seized and returned to Ukraine once its illegal origins have been proven in a Ukrainian court. So far, not a single case of alleged illegal enrichment has resulted in charges. Ukrainian judges, who were appointed under Yanukovych, rejected several applications by the public prosecutor's office for access to bank documents abroad or for account freezes, sometimes with outlandish justifications. In one case, an investigator was denied access to bank documents in Switzerland because his application was apparently accompanied by illegible copies of documents. So whatever money has been discovered is stuck in limbo, much like the Mazrina estate. When we ask Vlad what he thinks should be done with Mazrina, it's clear to him. You know, in the same time, this still has to be in a museum. Like, you know, I don't think yeah. it had to, in, in, some people were it saying... It preserved. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I, you know, like some people were saying, oh, you know, it can be the hotel, or you can actually sell it to someone. But yes, if you sell it to someone, who's going to buy it? And where's this money going to go to, right? And what about Yanukovych? What does Vlad think should be done to punish his former president? The biggest punishment for the president is not to kill him, but to, become, to make him a tour guide inside of this place. <laughs> Just imagine, like, if he was doing five tours per day, yeah. uh, answering all the questions that we have, yeah. that would be really cool. I, I would be happy. Until that happens, or more likely, until the government decide what to do with Mezrina, its current resident, Petro Olenek, will remain inside. Just like one of the president's birds chirping in its golden cage. This has been a story for yarnpodcast.com. Written and narrated by John Roach.